Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR analytics dashboard, helping all of you HR and people leaders automate your HR reporting and analytics process. That's right. We know you're tired of using those messy, tedious, time-consuming spreadsheets to pull all your data together from your HR systems, trying to get a data-driven view of your workforce, and you're always scratching your head thinking there has to be a better way. Well, your questions, your wishes have been granted because we have EmployeeCycle, an HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems, pulling all your data into one real-time centralized HR dashboard. If this is important to you, if you want to go into leadership meetings with data at your fingertips, go to EmployeeCycle.com, get a demo. We would love to explore how we can partner to help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today I would like for you to help me welcome a great guest. So please help me welcome Chris Estes. He's an HR leader with over 13 years of experience. And today we're talking about how to create psychological safety for employees. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Chris. I'm happy to be here, Bruce. Thanks for having me, man. Of course, of course. So, Chris, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Yeah, I, I, um, I'm kind of used to this pitch on my search right now. I call it the 88 floor elevator pitch, right? So around, uh, you know, 16 years ago, I started college and uh, I, I had my own uh, merchandising business and I was originally supposed to be a software engineer. Um, and I walked broad eyed, bushy tailed into orientation. And they're like, hey, we've taken away this computer science degree. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just get a general business degree and I'll teach myself how to code and get into tech that way. Uh, took an HR elective course and one of the professors there told me, he's like, hey, your generation is going to be the generation of HR to change the face from uh, <laughs> from the principal's office and who you go to to get fired or your paycheck to who's really partnering with the organization to help unlock people's potential at work and at home. And I did some soul searching. And I was like, hey, I'm way too extroverted to sit behind a keyboard all day. So yeah, let's try this people thing out and just kind of started down that road. So you know, 13 years later, partnering with, uh, with engineering teams on, you know, some of these, uh, you know, more technical companies to, uh, really help, you know, the, the geeks of the organization as it were, cause I'm a geek at heart myself, um, do what they do best. So yeah, that's how I got into it. Awesome. And appreciate that context. So Chris, today we're talking about psychological safety for employees I have to ask, what is psychological safety? Yeah, so, uh, you know, psychological safety is um, somebody's ability to commit and kind of put themselves out there without fear of failure or humiliation or retribution if they don't knock it out of the park 100% of the time. It's kind of missing in the workforce a bit, I think, because in part, we are kind of socialized into trying to get it right 100% of the way every time. And I think that's stifling a bit of creativity and um, especially in like the remote world. So, yeah, I think that's like the shorthand version of the definition. When it comes to things like psychological safety, 
it's so interesting because it can be such an ambiguous concept for so many different people and companies. So if you were to put yourself in the shoes of an employee, how do you think and what do you think they expect for companies to provide for psychological safety? Or do you think they even expect it at all? I don't, I don't know that they expect it yet. And I think it's kind of key. Every, every business is kind of catching up with one another on, um, and every company is catching up with one another on the benefits that they offer and kind of how they're setting themselves apart from, uh, you know, we, oh, we do unlimited PTO and we, you know, we celebrate this and we celebrate that, or, you know, we, we do flex time or we're going to offer a subscription to, you know, this service for free. But I think the next differentiator we are going to see in the market is going to be companies that are creating that psychological safety. So I don't know that they know what to expect there yet. What's the difference between psychological safety and wellness? Are they different? Is psychological safety a part of wellness? Can you help me understand this a little bit? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, and kind of in my experience, there are five parts to wellness as it faces a person and their interaction with the company, right? Um, I think psychological safety is a part of the mental wellness portion. But, you know, that doesn't discount. And I think there's a little bit of overlap with physical wellness, with financial wellness, with career wellness, and with community wellness. And so that's it. there's some overlap in some of those other areas, but I think the main part of the effects is the mental wellness. All right. So I'm an HR leader. I'm listening to this. You got me really interested in figuring out how do I do a better job at creating a space for psychological safety for my workforce. Where do I start? Does this require budget? Do I create a strategic plan around this? Do I Google a bunch of stuff about psychological safety? Do I measure what the current psychological safety is today for my workforce? Where do I start? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, and my mind starts racing as soon as you put me in there. Uh, you know, I think the first thing, um, selfishly, you could hire um, me. <laughs> um, but there's only so many of me, right? So I think the low-hanging fruit in that space and the psychological safety is really um, the first thing that you can do if you're not already doing it is to create clear expectations for what it means to be an employee and what it means to be a leader at a company. So providing your employees with clear job descriptions and clear you know, expectations for their roles and not just their role, but their next role, right? And kind of what, you know, what are their career rock wall look like? It's providing your leaders with the skills and the tools uh, in order to be able to set those clear expectations, right? So how to give feedback, how to give recognition, what system do we use to create that? Um, where are we storing all of our survey data, right? You know, shout out to, you know, employees, right? Like I'm sure there's a dashboard in there for kind of building that back in. So measuring what you expect and setting your expectations. So coming in, setting those expectations, being clear about it, and then kind of coming back. And if you're not already doing them, you know, you can measure that with your own internal, you know, pulse surveys, kind of doing an internal EMPS score uh, and seeing as you make some of these low hanging fruit changes, uh, how does that affect the wellness of the organization and asking some of those questions. I think that's, that's, that's where I would start. When it comes to understanding where employees are around their psychological safety, and now we're getting a little into the weeds, but what kind of questions teases this out? Because I'm sure there's so many things you could ask that may or may not really get to the root cause of how much psychological safety is in your current workforce. So I'm curious, 
if I'm trying to really understand where we are as a workforce around this concept, what kind of questions should I be asking? Yeah, I mean, I think the first um, kind of thought that comes to mind, um, and it kind of aligns um, with the reference to like the Gallup Big 12 questions, right? Um, you know, it's one of the easier ones that you can use, and that one's widely available, you know, on the, on the internet. Um, so, you know, one of the ones that I've seen asked in that space is, do you know what's expected of you at work, right? And, you know, based on their answer of that, like, that can tell you whether they feel safe or not, because um, if they're transparent about, like, knowing what's expected, you know, it's great. Or if, if they state what's expected and it's not what's expected, then, you know, you have a disconnect from how you're communicating that. You've got that question. You've got, um, I think, you know, do you have connections at work that you care about, right? So do you have people that you, you know, whether it's in your team or outside of your team, uh, you know, of people that you are fostering relationships with? That's a good indicator of culture and psychological uh, safety um, that could be missing from an organization if that's not a, a part of it. Remote work has really changed the way that companies and people teams, HR teams are really handling a lot of the efforts and initiatives to really take care and protect the workforce. There's so many people that have talked about the pros of remote work. And as I think about the question you just mentioned about the connections and the space, I'm curious, what do you think the impact around remote work will have on psychological safety? You know, it's, it's, I've seen a couple of camps kind of form around remote work and you get this staunch camp of, Hey, like we feel as though there are folks that are wasting time during the day when they are working remotely uh, and that all of the work that needs to get done isn't getting done. And then you've got some folks that say like, Hey, we are freeing up the opportunity for you to work throughout the day as you please. And we are, you know, trusting that our employees are getting their work done. I think the true answer is somewhere in between. Um, and it kind of goes back to setting expectations and then measuring what you expect. So that's one of the m- main ways from like a management and leadership perspective that I would say, like, we can really foster that, that out there for the remote. And as far as like, you know, feeling psychologically safe again, like knowing what's expected of you, knowing how often you can kind of go outside of those expectations, um, even creating a, a feedback loop so that you, you can ask your leadership to like sponsor you on this thing that you want to try. Right. And then just foster that creativity. And then, you know, for the one-to-one connections and the personal connections that are kind of happening outside of work, the company has to foster that and it has to be, it has to be set from, you know, your, your senior leadership, your executive leadership down. One of the ways that I've seen that be successful is company, you know, company sponsored um, channels within Slack channels or discord channels or teams that, uh, that utilize the ability to kind of come and go as you can and connect and, even like creating channels that are lunch tables for people to come sit down and have a conversation, turn their camera off, but have that, uh, have that audio in the background to like, just like have a sandwich during the day and talk to some of your coworkers. Maybe they're in the space that you share. Maybe they are in a different part of the you know, company that you haven't met before. Those would be like, the, you know, the two different sides of the coin that I would suggest, you know, to kind of get in there and tackle it earlier on. You mentioned a few times that the leadership team and the executive team needs to have buy-in and really make psychological safety a top-down approach. But I'm curious, who should be responsible for this? And I like to ask this on a lot of podcasts because HR and people ops and everything around the role can really bleed into everything across the organization. But the question that I always have is, 
should HR be responsible for this? So I'm curious, what is HR's role in this? Does HR create the strategy and the foundation for this, but then it's on the shoulders of everyone in the organization to make this happen? Is it HR's job to truly own this and make this happen? What should and could this look like? I think the I think the HR team and your people team, they're going to be the enablers, right? They're going to be the ones coming in and creating the skills and the, or identifying the skills and creating the tools or, you know, buying the tools in order to facilitate, you know, the, you know, the opportunity to create that psychological safety. Um, but that's a function of the culture of the organization. And truly, like, culture can't, culture will just happen. And it can grow outside of itself. In a super negative way, I actually saw, you know, I was in a uh, conversation on LinkedIn earlier this morning about um, how if, if we don't, if the senior leadership can't utilize the tools that the people team is offering them to, to cultivate a positive culture, the culture will form itself and it will not be in a way that the senior leadership can influence it. And I think that could be a detriment to an organization. So, so I think, yeah, I think your HR team, your people team, those are your enablers. Those are the ones setting up the, the skills and the tools. And then it's everybody's responsibility, individual contributor up to, you know, CEO and even board to kind of put a value to what it means to have that here. But I think at the end of the day, like I still stand by, you can, you can offer all the benefits and the compensation that you want in the coming months and years, as we get into this space, companies are going to have to set a set, set themselves apart with this particular, you know, feature of an organization, if you will. Awesome. And then last question, anytime someone is going after a new effort or a new initiative, they always have questions around what can they potentially avoid that someone else has learned from, or how can they learn from someone else's mistakes? So are there any potholes or areas and things that our listeners could avoid in this process to make their attempt to create a space for psychological safety as as efficient but also as productive as real time or as possible yeah i mean if you're if you're a people geek like me um it's easy to come into this perspective especially like having your eyes opened to it um with your people guns blazing right and come in and be like oh we should you know it's the cutting edge trend and like we got to get ahead of it and all these things and come in and kind of set that apart i think coming in with a measured approach and showing some excitement around it and creating a business case for it. Right. I mean, it's a business and, and money talks. How can we show the leadership of this company that, Hey, this is the right thing to do, but then B there is going to be a, a real impact to the bottom line and getting, getting those partnerships early. And, you know, from our people team, you know, there, there are always parts of the organization that gel better with what we do and, and some that don't gel as easy. And I think leaning on um, your expertise and your credibility and kind of building that partnership and bringing them along the journey um, and getting their buy-in. Uh, that's, that's what I would say, because I, I being super excited about this kind of trend and, and, and this next phase of how we work uh, myself, I have found myself getting like overly cheerleader, like, hurrah, let's go do this. And definitely like, I would encourage folks to build those relationships and build a business case. Chris, thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast guest and for bringing all your wisdom and knowledge and experience around this topic. Truly appreciate it, and I'm sure that our audience learned a lot. So thank you so much for being on the Employee Cycle Podcast. Woo! Go, Chris! Thanks for having me, Bruce. So, Chris, where can people find you online? 
Oh, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can just search for Chris Estes, you know, comma MBA, um, or any other spaces. Uh, I'm a part-time rock star. So you can find us under uh, chase Stewart and the brick Masons or just the brick Masons. If you're looking around for some Southern rock to listen to. And outside of that, um, I'm, I, I'm willing to bet that you'll see uh, a rising star through the, uh, through the HR ranks at some point pretty soon in my career. So. Awesome. Really appreciate that. And we'll be sure to include all your contact info in the show notes. So for everyone listening out there who enjoyed this episode as much as Chris and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating. Also, if this is your first time listening to our podcast, but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.